welcome to another edition of the 90s Club Footy Podcast. This week we chat with former Geelong forward Jason Snell. Jason, who was recruited in the 1995 National Draft with pick 34 from the Eastern Rangers, played 68 games in the blue and white hoops across six seasons, which then unfortunately ended in round three of 2001 with a horrific lower leg injury. In this chat, Jason talks about his debut game, the 1997 semi-final loss to Adelaide, his five-goal quarter against Port Adelaide, the well-known leg injury, as well as sharing his favourite teammates to play with. So sit back, relax, and enjoy my chat with Jason Snell. Jason Snell, thank you for joining me on the 90s Club Footy Podcast. Terrific to catch up with you, mate, and, and talk some footy. Uh, great to be here. Mate, it's been 21 years since you donned that uh, blue and white hoops. I know it seems like a long time ago, but uh, you know, what are you doing with yourself in this current day? Yeah, so I, post my footy career, I, uh, I finished university. Um, so I was sort of halfway through my uni degree and uh, post the footy, uh, finished that. Then uh, was lucky enough to, to join a startup business and, and uh, uh, with a, a guy by the name of Jeff Slade. So Will Slade, who was at, uh, at Geelong, his, his dad, quite a very successful man in the recruitment world. So we started an online recruitment business before there was any online recruitment. Um, so nine years there, we sold the business, which was terrific. I then uh, joined Treasury Wine Estates, managing uh, their Victorian business, and then I'm now across at, uh, at Blackmore's. So uh, I now um, am part of the sales and marketing function. Fantastic, mate. Nice and busy and uh, plenty of success after footy, which is great. Yeah, look, it's, it's, I finished so early. So I finished my footy career at 23. Um, and, yeah, so very early in, in, uh, in that career and, you then want to go and do something else with your life and and, uh, and ideally be successful at something else in your life. So I've certainly worked pretty hard uh, on the work front to, to make sure I can do that. Mate, terrific. All right, let's talk some footy. Uh, your journey started back with the Eastern Rangers in the TAC Cup during the mid-90s. You were drafted uh, in the 30s. Was there much interest from many AFL clubs in that year where you were able to be drafted? Yeah, I think, I think we had every AFL club, I think bar one, from memory, I can't remember who that was either. Um, come over to to the house and and meet the parents and and interview me. So I had a reasonably successful TAC uh, Cup year, the the final year at um, at Eastern Rangers, and I, I I won the coaches award, which is the the um, award that's voted on by the coaches after the game. And uh, probably the first half of that year, I was uh, I performed really really strongly, and and um, the second half. I sort of faded away a little bit. I think it was probably due to the amount of football I was playing because I was also playing school football, but also sneak back to Upway every now and then and, and play a game there as well. So it, it probably caught up with me at uh, at the end. But, yeah, so drafted uh, mid-30s, like 34 or something, uh, to, to Geelong and um, was was wrapped to to go down there post, obviously, their, their 95 year where they uh, were obviously uh, in, the, in the grand final and, and unsuccessful. So knew I was joining a pretty amazing team with some pretty uh, uh, legendary names. Was that the club that you thought you were going to go to or was there another club that showed, you know, even more interest than the Cats that you thought, oh, geez, I could be lining up with those guys in, in 1996? Yeah, Adelaide was the one. So they were the one who showed uh, substantial interest. And, and, in fact, post me getting uh, my name read out in the draft, they were the first club to call me and say, congratulations, <laughs> you know, we, we wanted you in the next pick and all that sort of stuff. And I think they did have the next pick. 
um, and they were going to take me, but but wished me all the best. So, um, in hindsight, may have been okay because I may have played at a couple of flags earlier. Um, but if, if I hadn't got injured with Geelong, ideally I would have played it there too. McCarty, who's been terrific, kicks the ball in towards full forward. Hall couldn't take it. Brewer tries to shrug the tackle unselfishly to Snell. Snell goes for goal as another Geelong goal on the scoreboard. Obviously now we have social media and so forth, and, um, you know, obviously the... the uh, broadcast of the the draft is top-notch and it was okay I guess back in the mid-90s but um, you know how did you find out how did you know that Geelong were going to uh, that drafted you were you watching the draft were you listening to it it's not like you could follow it online or anything what was sort of how did you end up finding out it was on tv so they 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 broadcast um, I think it might have been the top sort of you know 50 or 60 draft picks or something Um, so I was sitting in front of the TV and, and I thought I was going to go a little bit earlier because I had been training with, with Hawthorne. Um, they had picked 25, 26 or something um, and, and didn't take me there. So that was, that was, that was hard because I thought that's, you know, that's where my, my future was going to be. Um, and then um, uh, obviously in the, uh, in the 30s that when Geelong called me out, I was, I was wrapped. And then the realisation sort of hit you, you go, well, you're at home, you've got to move away from home, uh, you're not going to be in Melbourne, you're going to be in Geelong, um, and you start to sort of sort of think ahead about how you're going to manage that uh, that transition. And, and there's a bit of a distance between up way where I grew up and uh, and, and Geelong. So um, you then have to get your, uh, uh, you have to sort of acclimatise that, uh, that change you're about to make. Tell me about the first pre-season, uh, Snelly. Obviously the Cats, as you said, were coming off a grand final appearance. Was it tough and, you know, was there a real strong motivation from the group to further improve ahead of the 96 season? Yeah, there, there was. It was, it, look, it was a bloody tough pre-season. I, the draft, our draft was a bit later. So um, for various reasons, I can't actually remember exactly why, but our draft was in December, um, which is which is really late. And uh, so we, we got down there sort of, you know, start of December and, and had a, what, probably a three-week training block that was that uh, was pretty challenging, and but I do remember getting down there, and you know most of the guys had been training for a fair, fair period of time before that, um, and we rock up the new recruits, and we're probably a little bit uh, further behind where we uh, where you know the rest of the group was at, but I, I remember just the the lift up in tempo and the, the expectation um, in everything you did when you first got down there was just uh, was just next level, so um, a steep learning curve. It must have been, uh, you know, you must have impressed her in the pre-season, mate, because I think, correct me if I'm wrong, I reckon Ronnie Burns was drafted in that same draft year as well, and you guys both made your debut. Round one, 1996, against the, the Demons at the MCG. Gazza kicked nine, goal six, and dominated, and the fellow by the name of Jason Snell bobbed up with three. Yeah, and no, I did okay. So I had, had a couple of really good games in the, the pre-season, which, um, which was good. So I uh, kicked a few goals up forward and, and spent a bit of time in the midfield as well. So was was wrapped to be able to get uh, get called up to, to play round one. Um, it, it, amazing experience. I was a Melbourne supporter growing up. So uh, to first of all, play against the team you you, uh, you grew up barracking was was a huge honour. And remember after the game, I think we beat them by, you know, 100-odd points, 120 points or something. Um, our guys are walking off one way. I'm chasing the, the Melbourne players the other way, trying to shake their hands because I'm playing against, you know, Gary Lyon, Jim Steins, these guys, Todd Viney, who I idolised. So, um, yeah, an amazing experience. I, lucky, the, the ball was frequently down in the forward line. Um, I do remember coming on. I came on, I think, the first time in the second quarter and and played. You know, these are back in the days where it wasn't constant rotations. You, you're off until you're on, effectively. 
um, got on and, uh, and and played about sort of, you know, 10 minutes in the second quarter. And I remember going down, I was told to go down to the forward pocket. So running down to the forward pocket. And I just remember, I get, hey, so Gaz is in the forward, full forward, just, hey, not by name either, but it was, hey, get out of the forward 50. So there I go, just <laughs> trot out of the forward 50, let Gaz spend his time down there. So, um, yeah, then played 10 minutes there, then came on in the last quarter and, and uh, and kicked a couple of goals, which was uh, which was amazing. And the crowd that you know, fifty or thousand, whatever it was, seemed like it was two hundred and fifty. It was it was the, the loudest noise I've ever heard. It was round. It was the first round, first game of the uh, the AFL season too. That's right. Yeah, yeah, no, unbelievable. What was uh, like the messaging from Gary Ayres, the coach of that season? Um, you know, your role in that first game. What did he want you to do? Can you remember sort of you know a bit of the messaging he sort of said like? No, no idea. <laughs> it's, it's faded into the, the look. It, it would have been, you know, very similar to every every game that, that you played with with Ayers. It was pretty simple messaging, you know. As a, um, you know, and Roddy and I were both playing sort of small forward. I was a bit more of a a marking small forward than than Roddy, who was a bit more of a, a crumbing small forward. So um, mine was really about to get into space and, and use speed to, to be able to get on the lead and take a mark, but also to be able to wheel back in in front of the bigger guys and, and get front and square so that if there's any crumbs, you, you're there for uh, you're there for those. So um, I think Roddy might have snapped up most of those crumbs and I did okay on the lead, so it seemed to work okay. <laughs> now, you played uh, a couple of extra games in that first season. I think you might have played three or four for the year. At the end of the season, no doubt you would have been wrapped to have you know played three or four senior games. Going into the next pre-season, was there anything that you personally felt that you sort of need to improve on to you know really – uh, keep a regular spot in the side and, and was there any sort of feedback from the coaches on what they wanted you to do to, you know, potentially be a bit of a, um, a regular fixture? Yeah, I think look, the first season was a bit interrupted too. So, so I did, I got stress fractures. Uh, so I played the first two games of the AFL season and I felt my foot wasn't quite right in the second game. Um, then by the third game played in the twos uh, and it just wasn't right. So I then missed six weeks after that and, um, and then was lucky enough, came back and, and, and performed okay to then get another senior game towards the end of the year. But, but really, the team was pretty settled and it was a, it was a pretty strong and, and seasoned team. So it was pretty hard for most of us to, to get a game in, in that year. Um, I think it was more about getting a consistent pre-season, to be honest. So from a strength point of view, um, I was okay. But, for, but from a fitness-based point of view, because we started so late um, in the, the pre-season and, and obviously had getting injured in that, um, that first year, uh, it was all about trying to get a, a, a pretty strong base. Um, I got to the end of that preseason and, and I probably wasn't performing where I wanted to perform um, going into that year. So started in the twos that that following year and um, played that first game um, against it was against Richmond at the MCG and it, that was Gaz's last game in the uh, uh, Geelong Colours. He was he was in the twos that um, that day. But but what I the, the lasting memory I've got of that is I was obviously playing midfield um, in the twos and. You know, our Ruckman knocking the ball down to me and me roving the ball and Gazza on the lead and just putting it down his throat as he's leading up, uh, kicking one of his nine goals that he did. Um, I reckon he might have kicked four or five of those um, after he'd done his knee because uh, he did his knee that uh, that day. Um, so, yeah, look, I, I had a bit to work on. I, it was probably more fitness um, and endurance-based to make sure I could get up to the level. It was a shame that year, wasn't it, with Gazza, obviously. Uh, you know, as you said, he kicked, what, nine goals in that first game against the Tigers and... <clears throat> Uh, you know, I dare say everyone would have loved to have seen him back in the senior side. But, yeah, again, the last time we sort of saw him play AFL footy. So a bit of a sad, sad game as well, wasn't it, that first one? Yeah, well, we didn't know he did his knee at the time because he kept playing. He just sort of complained that it was a bit sore. But, um, 
yeah, it was it was amazing. Look, he wasn't around a lot that preseason, to be brutally honest. So I think that, that there was a bit of tough love thrown into that uh, that decision to play him in the twos. Um, you know, he certainly would if he hadn't done his his knee. He certainly would have gone up, and and who knows what he would have done for the rest of the year. But um, yeah, it was. Look, it, 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 for, for me, you know, on a selfish point of view, great to have have played with him. You know, I certainly uh, it loved the games that I played with him in the uh, the seniors. But uh, to then do it, you know, full game in the twos too, and you know, I got a fair bit of ball that first day to, to put it down his throat too was was pretty amazing. That would have been a yeah, very nice feeling, kicking to one of the greatest. You said about uh, you started in the reserves in that season, then I guess that second half of 97, you really sort of established yourself in the senior side. Um, one game that I can remember being a Cats fan and, and seeing you dominate was that game against Port Adelaide where you kicked those five goals in the one quarter. Um, great effort. What do you remember that game, Snelly? Well, the game was in the balance. And obviously, I had to change the game a little bit there, Trent. You know, we're only up by 90 points when I, I kicked those five. Um, look, the ball came down a fair bit, to be honest. It was a bit, bit like the first game against Melbourne. Um, we, we got on top in that last quarter. So we're up by a bit of three-quarter time. Um, and, uh, you know, I was sort of playing a, a full forward, you know, type role. Um, fair bit of space down there. You've got the lights of, of Gary Hocking, you know, just grabbing the ball and kicking it straight down your throat again. So it, I was playing on Stuart Dew that day, actually. Oh, really? Um, yeah. So it 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 um it, it made it uh, a little bit easier when you've you're dominating so much and you've got so much space to lead into, you know. Not certainly not like the football of today where where there's very little space. There was there was a, a a panic for me there that day. So um yeah, it was fantastic. Loved it. Ninety seven. We played in those two finals. Obviously, you know we come up against a red hot North Melbourne that first game. Um, in the first final, that that were that was sensational. You know, Carey was on fire. Then the final against Adelaide was, I guess, a remembered one for Geelong supporters just because it was a really lot of um, controversial decisions, I guess. You know, Lee Colbert's mark that wasn't paid a mark. You know, Gary Hawkins, uh, I think, might have been touched on the line. Yeah, yeah. Uh, how do you reflect on that game now? I know it's been a long time and, you know, you don't want to dwell, but sort of how do you reflect on that that, is, that game itself? Yeah. Uh, a massive missed opportunity, to be honest. So I think... When you, you know, so what was that, 90, 97, so I'm, I think I was just, just not even turning 20 at that stage, so 19 years of age, and you just think it's going to come around again, um, and those opportunities come, come around again, and you don't, you don't realise the, the opportunity you've probably been given, um, you know, and it was, it was one of those just amazing games, the noise in that, that stadium was just unbelievable, um, you know, we were on top for a lot of the game, and um, you know, there's just various times during that game that there was just momentum swings that, that took it away from us. And, you know, that Lee Colbert one, absolutely, because that ball was kicked to me. I was there in the forward line and it was one-on-one and then Colby's come flying over the top of me. And if you see the photo of it, all you'll see is my leg underneath Colby um, after he's uh, after he has taken the mark. I remember getting up and complaining because I thought it was a free kick for me. Um, <laughs> then I realised Colby had taken the mark. So, um, yeah, look, it, it was one of those and, and just... You look back and go, well, that was a real missed opportunity for for the footy club to to do something pretty special in '97 because we had a lot of young guys in that team. And um, but you know, it is what it is. It just we just weren't ready at the time. I guess it's a really interesting season, isn't it? Because I guess it was a I guess the the begin the new beginnings of the Geelong Cats in the fact that or a transition beginning for the Cats because Gazza had done his knee, Couchy was at the very back end, Billy Brownson was at the back end, Hinkley retired maybe the year earlier. So I guess a lot of new young ones were coming through. Um, obviously making finals and performing well, did that sort of give the, the group a bit of confidence that, okay, we can sort of move on pretty well without these big names that have been you know, 
such mainstays for the last, you know, 10, 12 years? Yeah, look, I, I thought I thought we were going to do something pretty special after 97. I thought that we had the, the team to, to go forward and, and, and do that. I think some of the young guys probably took a little bit more time to, to develop into to really solid AFL footballers, and it does take time, you know. It, it, that's, the, that's the reality for, for AFL football, especially in those times when you, you, you play against, you know, guys that have been around for a long period of time, seasoned professionals that, you know, and, and were hard and tough, um, and there wasn't a lot of free kicks given back then too. So um, it was a bit harder to, uh, to transition. So, yeah, I would have thought 98 would have been a, a better year for us, but um, you know we dipped a little bit uh, for a few years there, ninety eight, ninety nine, um, and and obviously needed a change, and that's that's when change came with Bomber. But um, yeah, look, it, it 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 was again a bit disappointing when you look back. I think we were pretty stagnant for those couple of years. What was the main change? Was it um, when you say you know stagnant? Was it you know game plan? Was it just as you said, maybe just a little bit of inexperience from the younger guys? You know, what, why don't you think you sort of went on in that year? And I guess you know a second. Uh, a twofold sort of question. This one: Did the off-field issues with the financial, um, you know, uh, situation of the Cats, and then um, you know Colby obviously departing, Gary Ayres departing, did that sort of all play into uh, you know maybe why the Cats just sort of probably just dropped off the perch a little bit for a couple of years? Yeah, look, obviously Colby getting being injured and doing his knee, and um, then subsequently moving on, you know, had a bit of an impact. I think from a financial sense, no, look, you. You're pretty shielded as players. You're there to play footy, and you, that's what you do, you know. And you, you probably didn't realise that the dire position that the club was in at the time, you know, really until we got Cookie and it was fully understood, you know, the, the situation the club was in. So I, I don't think you knew that. So I, don't, I certainly don't blame that. I just think that maybe we didn't evolve um, like other teams evolved. You know, game plan style started coming back in. So you know the way that, that North Melbourne structured up with you know a paddock around Carey and you know, a, a bit of a focal point there. We, we saw, we, I think we were pretty much um, probably stuck in an older game style that needed to evolve a little bit. Um, and I think that may have, and, you know, with other uh, more seasoned guys retiring too, that obviously has an impact. But I would say that I think that, that maybe we weren't at the forefront of game style during that time. Obviously, the new beginnings with Costa, Cook and Thompson coming on, what was the feel like when, uh, you know, I guess from, three levels of the organisation that was changed. Was there excitement? Was there a little bit of um, apprehension sort of with a bit of an unknown from the previous two seasons that you had? Yeah, so the biggest change for the players is obviously when you, you get a new coach. So um, getting Bomber in was, um, was was a breath of fresh air. He, you know, um, energetic, vibrant, you know, knew his stuff, was really firm on his, his beliefs around footy. Um, but but did instill a nice um, confidence in in those that in certain values that he really he he admired. So, you know, for me it was he was very big on my my chase and tackle from from um, the forward line and and making sure I was I was that guy that was you know the pressure forward to to be able to get turnovers and things. So he did change my style a little bit, um, and he and he loved that. Um, and he instilled other things into other players. He, he did give a lot of confidence to other players. So, and there was a few players that obviously had left at that period of time too. So he, again, he was pretty firm on on what he wanted, what he didn't. And and then, you know, obviously getting a few, a, a pretty, a, a couple of amazing drafts that we got there at that time too, which obviously then seeded the success for later years. But um, yeah, it was a, you know, I was pretty, bit, you know, obviously disappointed to get injured and not be part of that that journey. But you could see that there was, it was changing enough that we were going to get there at some stage. And I guess the turnaround obviously was that finals appearance against Hawthorne in 2000. So obviously Tom, oh, Bomber's, um, 
entry into the Cats sort of made a, an immediate impact, I guess. Yeah, we, geez, we didn't play well that day. We played shocking that day, I remember. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, look, we, we, we did enough to, to get there. Um, we had various times of the year that we were performing really, really strongly and, and looked good. There was a few games we let go that year, I seem to remember, and then got to the finals. And, and really, we were outplayed by, by Hawthorne, I thought. You know, they, they, they played a pretty good game that day and, and we just sort of weren't desperate enough in that, um, in that game. So there's good learnings out of that. And, and I thought we... We, we were taking that into to 2001 um, and, you know, we were, we were set for a pretty good year, I thought, that year too. 2001, mate, probably not one that you like dwelling on too much because obviously it was, uh, you know, the, the year that you uh, seriously injured your leg, you know, a great start to the season. I was just saying to you off air, you know, I remember that game against West Coast where you had a really good start, kick two, and, you know, I thought, you know, Jason Snell was going to be up for another great season for the Cats and then MCG um, up against the Ds and, just that awkward landing on your foot um, where you seriously injured your leg. How do you reflect on that moment as it was career ending as it was? Yeah, yeah, it was. So, yeah, look, I think the last two years, so in 2000, just quickly, I played the round one, um, was against West Coast again um, and, you know, performed really, really strongly. Round three that year, um, I did a medial ligament and missed eight weeks. Um, Then get to 2001, again, strong pre-season, um, overall, the knee, you know, the knee issue, which was great. Um, you know, play a, a really solid first round again, um, and play well in the second round. Get to the third round, um, Melbourne Easter Monday MCG, and you know, had had done okay in the first part of the game, and it was just just before half time. Oh, actually, just after half time, I should say that that I've gone up to uh, to take a mark on the wing. Um, I remember seeing Ronnie Burns run down, kick the ball. I've taken the mark. I've landed. Um, I've fallen over. I haven't felt it straight away. And in my mind, I remember that Ronnie was going to follow up. I could see him moving when I was taking the mark. So my initial, if you see the footage, ever, my initial thought is to stand up and handball to Ronnie because there was space there and we would have been away into the forward line. Um, so I've then taken the mark, fallen down, obviously have dislocated my ankle, didn't know it, went to stand up and placed um, uh, my ankle onto the ground. It wasn't my foot, it was my ankle. So the bottom of my foot was pointing um, you know, to, to the side and uh, it was a, a compound fracture. So the bone was coming out of the skin um, and, and you know, my ankle basically uh, had snapped. So I realised I was in a bit of trouble. So uh, <laughs> threw my mouth guard in disgust, um, sat down and uh, I remember just that the pain immediately hit and it, it's this, the only way I could describe it is like this, this warmth like comes over you. It's this really strong pain. And I remember sort of just, you know, screaming out for the bench um, and uh, Gary Hocking came over and uh, the footage is he grabbed my head and he wouldn't let me look down at my ankle. And I, had, I hadn't actually realised that the bone was actually hanging out. I knew that it was – I knew I'd seen there was a, a thing in my sock. I hadn't seen that it was hanging out. Yeah. Um, so he kept my head away from that and, and made me look, sort of look at him. Um, they then – it was a comedy of errors that followed after that. The, they brought out a – uh, a stretcher, got me on the stretcher, then realised that I was supposed to be using the motorised cart. So, fun fact, first guy to get taken off on a motorised cart um, at the MCG. So, the, the motorised cart's come out, they've put me on that. That was a little bit bumpy when you're going back to the oh. – uh, so, my ankle's obviously out still and they've tied yeah. my legs up to keep it all together. Um, they've then got to the race and realised the cart doesn't fit down the race because it came out of an emer- another sort of area, another race. Oh, didn't fit no. down the actual player's race. 
So they had to get me off, get me on a stretcher, get me down into the rooms um, where it, it did take a while to, uh, there wasn't readily available painkillers, unfortunately, until the, uh, the, the doctor, Jan McGiven, who um, had done the, the seconds game, uh, was luckily enough at Punt Road, she came out in the rooms and, and took control and had her medical bag and, and then looked after me from there. What happened, I guess, you know, the days and the weeks after, like, you know, what was the early prognosis? Was it, did they feel it was going to be season, oh, sorry, career ending, or did they sort of feel that there may have been a chance that things could be a bit more uh, kinder and we might see Jay Snell back in the lineup at some stage, maybe 12 months later? What was sort of the initial feelings from the, the docs? Yeah, look, I think, the, I think they knew that, that it was a, a real challenge, um, they never outwardly said that to me. So there was, there was always hope um, in my mind. In my mind, there was no issue. Like, you know, get over it, be fine, get going and, and you know, miss a season, away you go. Yep. Um, but, but you know, subsequent to that, when you, you get to know the people that are around and you talk to them, there, there was certainly doubt and they thought it was going to be pretty tough um, because of the amount of damage that I'd, that I'd done um, and the, the, the joint structure just wasn't, you know, the joint was broken. Um, effectively, so it was always going to be challenging. So, yeah, from there it was pretty tough. You know, I, I had sort of six operations within um, within a twelve month time frame. I'd lost feeling in the bottom of my foot, um, so I had to get a nerve graft from my right foot to my left, so I could uh, right leg to my left leg, so that I could get feeling. So, yeah, uh, the nerve they took from my right, there's a little patch uh, of nerve, or you know, a, a little patch of an area on you know down my bottom of my ankle that I can't feel on my right leg, but I can now feel a bit more on my underneath my foot because I couldn't feel anything. Um, so worked really, really hard. Got to the stage where I thought I was going to play a twos game. Um, and this would have been probably 12 months after I'd done it. So let's let's say sort of, you know, April, May, the, the, the following year. Um, and got home from training after a Thursday. It was probably going to be selected. And just I remember that I, I, I was in so much pain. Um, I couldn't get up and, and walk to bed. I'd be piggybacked. I just couldn't couldn't move. Um, so I went to the doctor the next day, and they they then and saw I subsequently saw the surgeon who then sent me up to Sydney. So went up to Sydney, um, and I remember going up there thinking, great, and finally get some answers. Um, saw a surgeon by the name of Kim Slade who was who was terrific. Made me do a series of tests that I probably hadn't done um, previous to that, and he took some X rays under pressure and all that sort of stuff, and and then. Remember him um, sitting me down. And he said, "Look, um, you, you, I'm going to tell you straight. You're going to have to retire. You're never going to be able to play AFL football again. You're not going to be able to run, um, and you're going to be lucky to walk without a limp for the rest of your life." And I just like that, like literally told me like that. Um, and I just remember just being absolutely shattered. Like the initial thought was just this: this couldn't be right, you know. Um, and you know, I was up there by myself. I remember the doctor saying, "I'll fly up with you." I said, "No, no, don't worry about it. Oh, you're good." that sort of gets announced to you and your, your, your world changes. And I remember just walking out onto the street, you know, you, you got to do the normal, go to the, the reception afterwards and get the, you know, the club paid for it all and all that sort of stuff, but you get the bill and whatever. And then just walking outside and just breaking down. Um, and, you know, you're there by yourself and, you know, I've got to get back to the airport and, you know, so I'm calling mum and dad, I'm calling the doctor and I'm this, that and the other, and this is what they've said. And just remember sitting on the plane, just crying, you know, and, and people sort of looking at you and I just didn't care. So I flew back home and, um, you know, mum and dad and, and a few others came to the airport to pick me up and just remember being silent, you know, just I was stunned at, at yeah. what had happened. So um, it was a bit of a shock, to be honest. 
So, but what, what was know, the what was the hardest part? What was the hardest part of that news that the doctor gave you that you had to try and you know figure out? Was it my AFL career is done, or is it just you know my um, chances of being, I guess, physically active through a running uh, capacities, yeah, no, no longer ever going to happen? What was the hardest part to divulge? I wasn't a massive fan of running, to be honest. So that was okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, look, it, it's the footy, right? Like you, you, you've worked. I just remember thinking, "Geez, I've worked so bloody hard um, to get to where I've got to." Um, you know, thinking about all the years of, you know, all the training I've done after all those years, and just a few little setbacks I had along the way of, you know, stress fractures first year, you know, doing my uh, knee ligament the, 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 my second last year, and and doing this, and then having worked what it is, probably 16 months of really solid work to get back to where I was, to nearly be able to play again, and then this happens, yeah. um, was was shattering. So it was more you think about all that and you go, oh, like it's just, you know, and then what do you do next sort of thing? Like what's 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 your next move? Um, so I, I reckon there's, you know, that night sort of feeling a bit down and dumps or whatever, and, but then I'm a bit of an optimist, so you, you get you get on with it um, and you've got to do what you do. So I remember calling the club and, um, and, and talking to uh, Cookie and, and talking to Bomber and, and telling him I had to retire. And um, that was literally the next day. And so then called a, had a players meeting or whatever and, and got up and, and told them, you know, the story and, you know, um, that I had to retire. And I remember looking over in the corner and Bomber's crying and, you know, a lot of the players were crying and I'm crying. You know, it was just yeah. one of those that was just, a, you know, really, really sad. And, like, you, you walk in. Uh, Geelong player, and you walk out, and you're not. You know, that, it's a big, big change. You know? Yeah, like it's you're not going to play again. And and that feeling, you think back to your first game with that noise that I talked about, and you know, Adelaide game, and all that sort of stuff. You're not going to do that again, and that's heartbreaking. And that, you can see why guys who get a bit older and and struggle to retire because it, it is a bit addictive. Did you stay involved with the Cats in some way, or just be a you know a casual observer regularly once uh, you retired, or did you sort of just break away from it for a little while just to, I guess, get your head around it a little bit more? Oh, I was sort of thereabouts, but no, look, I, I didn't want to be around, to be honest. It was um, – uh, I found it probably more challenging to be around than than trying to go and do something else. So I was. I did some stuff for the footy club and, and you know, uh, various stuff just to help out. Um, I had signed a three-year contract uh, uh, a, a few weeks before I'd injured myself, so it was, oh, right. that was a bit challenging as well. But um, – not that you know that matters, but but I had so um, in my makeup is I should try to earn some of that. So <laughs> I, uh, I I sort of helped out with a few various things um, over the years. But but to be honest, no, I, I haven't been involved, um, and it, it's one of those things that I, I found a bit challenging at the start. And it was actually my son last night, you know, or the night before, saying, you know, Dad, why aren't you why aren't you more involved with the footy club anymore? You know. And it, it, like you know, you move on. Like you've got your, your kids now, and all the rest of it. So it's it, it's changed a little bit. My reasons for not being involved, I'd like to be, um, but it's a bit bit different. Right? Why I'm not now? But back then, it was just that it was pretty tough, you know. And, and, every, and everyone moves on, right? Like you, you you're then not a player. You you then become a mate, and you're not on the inside. Not here on the inside jokes. You're not like it, it is different. Yeah. Um. When when you're out. It's his left foot to it, but Gary Hocking, his kick, is to half forward, brilliantly taken by Snell. Goes into goal. Snell shot for goal. It looks pretty good. The player's happy. It's a Geelong goal. You still follow the Cats, even though you're sort of not, you know, involved as 
um, as much, I guess, as a lot of other past players. Do you still watch the Cats, you know, with a, with a keen eye and you know, really wish that they do well? Very much so, yep. So uh, uh, funny when you, you – like changing clubs is, is the worst thing you could possibly do. But um, as I said, grew up Melbourne supporter, went to Geelong. You change straight away. Like you, you become Geelong. Um, and then the years I spent there, you're, you're Geelong, and um, you know I, I do follow the uh, the Cats very very closely. And you know, posted not uh, 2007 Grand Final. You know, I was there front and centre at the celebrations at Crown, and carrying on with Stevie Johnson's Norm Smith around my neck, and um, felt like I'd won one myself. So um, it uh, yeah, so I, I certainly did, and and probably after that year, actually it might have been after 2009. I still found that challenging like even watching that grand final I remember just being in tears at the end of the game like oh you know it could have been me sort of yeah. um and then after that like the, the feeling completely went because it was like nah like that would have been the end of you <laughs> like you know that would have been the end of your, your life cycle so post that I think I've enjoyed watching the cats uh hate more because I'm not doing it as a player like I used to do yeah. it as a watch as a player um I'm watching it as a as a fan so which is which is quite nice and and now having kids, um, my daughter's very much Western Bulldogs. All right. Um, but uh, my uh, my son is, is Mad Cat, so that's kind of nice. And and it's it's now trying to get more time with him to go to the footy to actually watch it. Yeah, love it. Hey, can I just ask you? You've you've said it a couple of times now. You used to be a Melbourne supporter. Now, what were your emotions last year when the the D's won it? I know you're probably more a Geelong man now, but did that that I guess um, ex feeling of being a D's man still? you know, resonate with the flag last year? Oh, absolutely. Mainly because um, I've got two really, really close mates who are Melbourne supporters and they're, I remember going around to one of them's uh, house in, in 2000 and watching the, the grand final over there and at halftime he was around the back of the house having a cry because <laughs> they were getting smashed. Yes. Anyway, so there's that sort of thing. So it's nice to say it. But then the other part is my brothers. I've got an older brother, younger brother. Um, they're mad Melbourne. And, um, you know, my, my younger brother's over in Ireland and funnily enough, he's just over here at the moment and he watched the game um, the other night. Um, and but, but he was over there watching it and, and my older brother, you know, Melbourne through and through. And so to see them get the joy of a, a flag was probably more where um, I enjoyed it as opposed to any joy that I got from them getting it. But the other the other challenging part is, is M, my partner. M is a mad Western Bulldog supporter and Claire, our daughter's, you know, Western Bulldogs. So I've got that side of it as well. Yeah, so I have to be yeah. a little bit careful that I wasn't over the top <laughs> Melbourne because I had that side there. Hey, Sally, I've loved having a chat with you, mate. What I do with my guests just at the end of the podcast is give you a couple of quick handballs. So the first thing I'll do is I'm going to give you five names and I just want you to share a, a word or a, a short phrase or a sentence just to just give us a bit of an insight into these guys. And I probably should have word you up on who they were to have a think about it, but I know you're no, one. Uh, I know you're pretty good when it comes to a test. Uh, yeah, off the cuff. So, first one's your first coach, Gary Ayres. Uh a hard man. One of my favourite players, and uh, yeah, this fella I reckon gets forgotten on some of the great things he set up. You know, a couple of the real key moments for Geelong in the nineties was David Mensch. The monster Mensch. He he he's the funniest man that I've ever met in my life, without intentionally trying to be funny. Um, <laughs> and great on footy trips. Love it. Brenton Sanderson. Solid. He, he and, and unbelievable uh, kick. He, he, he was probably one of the best kicks, along with Peter Riccardi, uh, that we had at the Cats. Clint Bizzle. <laughs> the wizard. Legend. Love Bizzle. He uh, lived around the corner. We got drafted together and 
he's uh, I still catch up with Biz now. He, he is terrific. We love the Biz. And the last one, one of my favourite players from the uh, the nineties was uh, Glenn Oysters Kilpatrick. Um, I, I, I love. How do I describe him? He is so eclectic in terms of what he does. Like you know, he's a fireman now and um, lives, lived on a farm back. You know when he was playing footy and was had a boat and was going fishing and um, was just completely different. But he he's the nicest man. Get him on a footy field, he goes nuts. He 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 has got white line fever. Uh, <laughs> killer. He he was a terrific uh, addition to the Cats. Mate, the favourite game that you've played, you know, during your uh, your career at the Cats. Our oh, first game, always like you know, they'd run out in front of, um, you know, first round of the year, and it was the first time that they'd played. You know, the Holy Grail. Um, that that song was. I remember being underneath the rooms, and you could hear it being played. Yeah. Um, and I had heaps of family and friends there. Um, you know, they, they took most of the tickets, I think, and uh, uh, to run out and, and play against the team you grew up barring against was just outstanding. Who was your favourite character or characters? And I guess what I'm looking for for this one is, you know, you know, the best blokes, you know, the ones that you really enjoyed spending time with and may have been one that might have liked to hang a bit of shit on someone or, you know, whatever it may be. Who's sort of one Mate, to stand out? There's one name, and I'm sure if you talk to any Cats man around the same time, they'll say the same guy, Brad Shoal. Um, <laughs> now, never understood a word he said because he he just couldn't speak English um, and he had the false teeth. And as soon as I read all he'd do was spit on you. Um, but uh, he, he was, again, one of those guys that just, you know, you'd be at a team meeting, he'd just, he'd just stare at you and he'd, he'd say something snide about you. Like just, you know, always taking the piss. Um, and, and But everyone loved Brad Shaw. He, he, he's an absolute superstar. I have to laugh because I interviewed in a previous uh, series, Paul Brown, and I asked Paul Brown the same question and he said, Charlie. And, oh, I, yeah. and, I, and I saw Charlie not long ago and I said, mate, I've got to get you on the podcast to have a chat. Obviously, he's had connections with uh, where I live down in the uh, the western yeah, Port with Port yeah. Ferry and uh, he's keen as mustard. So when I tell him that a few blokes have sort of said what you've uh, been saying, I'm going to be interested to see what his rebuttal's like. <laughs> oh, well, you might, need a, you might need subtitles if you got him on. <laughs> Never understand him. I love it. Hey, mate, who was your hardest opponent? Who was the one that sort of gave you a bit of grief when you uh, – Gavin Wanganine. Gavin Wanganine. He, he was unbelievable. You think – so, again, as I said earlier, he used to lead a fair bit and get on, you know, get on the, the wheels to be able to take a mark or whatever, and, and you'd think you'd be in front of him and, and you'd be taking the mark and, you know, put your arms out and suddenly out of nowhere, his last three or four steps must be just lightning because his hand would be all over you and his body would be all over you. Free kick these days, mind you, I'll tell you. But um, – He'd just be absolutely all over you like the rubber man. Um, really tough to play on. And the last one, mate, obviously you come through the Cats in you know, the mid-90s. What's different about the 90s football in comparison to the footies played now? You know, why, why was it such a great decade in the time that you spent in the 90s? Uh, it, it's, this just wasn't any flooding or, or team defence. It was, it was man-on-man football. It was open in terms of the forward line. Um, it was tough and hard. I mean, you know, our defenders used to get taught to whack the arms. You know, that, that's what you did. Um, you know, if you can't whack the head, you know, whack the arms. Um, and, you know, today you can't do that. You've got to hit the footy, you hit the arms, it's a free kick. Mm. So it, it, it was, it had the balance of being um, really tough. It had the balance of being really attacking, but it had the balance of that. I, the main thing, it was a one-on-one football. So you could go and watch a Gary Ablett versus a, you know, Stephen Silvani, um, or you could watch a, you know, a Barry Stone on a Glenn Jakovic or whatever it might be. Like you go and watch this one-on-one contest. Whereas now, 
you never see it. I mean, the midfield yeah. contest they talk about, like you rarely see them because everyone's off doing their own thing. So I think that's the reason why I like the that footy better um, than, than today's footy. Having said that, I, mean, I love today's footy, don't get me wrong, but um, that, that attacking nature and that one-on-one and that, that those superstars on each other was, you know, outstanding. Jason Snell, it's been an absolute pleasure to catch up with you on the 90s Club Footy Podcast, mate. Thanks for sharing your time and, and reflecting on your career at the Cats. No worries. Hope you enjoyed. That's the end of episode 34. If you've missed any previous episodes, you can catch them all on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and Spotify. We're on all the social media platforms, so drop us a line on Facebook, Instagram or Twitter on any particular episode you've enjoyed or a guest you would love to hear. Next episode, we'll catch up with former Fitzroy Sydney Hawthorne wingman, Darren Kapler. It's rugged, it's good, solid AFL football. 